1701 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Alfred Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can find it at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintec. I need to come up with some more creative ways to do the Kintec Different thing. inflection? Kintec. Yeah. Kintec. I was thinking about maybe doing some accents, but that's a good Kintec. way. Kintec. Yeah, that's a good way to get canceled. I yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Kintec. Oh, <laughs> what was that? I don't know, Russian. Okay. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, we are going to be joined by Craig Moment, uh, Craig, Craig Moment, Craig Morgan in a moment here uh, to preview the Coyotes for tonight's game. Before we do any of that, real quick, we're giving away another prize pack to see the big football game. You can guess what game that is. It's being played on Sunday, February 11th. Have you connected the dots yet? Is there a bowl involved? I can't say. Is it the Idaho Potato Bowl? I also can't say that. Yes. That's part of the allure of the of the contest, the intrigue, the mystery. Anyway, if you want to win, and I'm emphasizing this because no one has entered yet today. What are you guys doing? We are giving away a reserve table for you and five friends. That's six people total. We are giving away a $100 gift card. We are giving away the opportunity to meet Sportsnet 650 personalities. All of it at the Clayton Public House on Sunday, February 11th. If you want to win the prize pack, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Send to what we learned. Hashtag it WWL and put a football emoji into your text. Just think of all the cool things you can do with Dan Riccio at the Clayton Public House whilst watching the big football game. <laughs> the cool things you can do with Riccio. Yeah. You can talk about football. Jungle chainsaws. I think that's on the table. <laughs> There's going to be a dunk tank. Brackets. There may not be a dunk tank. Anyway. Uh, enter now. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Uh, hashtag it WWL. Put a football emoji into your text. Let's go to the phone lines now. Uh, the Coyotes are in town to take on the Canucks tonight. Joining us from PHNX Sports, Craig Morgan here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Craig. How are you? Great. How are you guys doing? By the way, is the Super Bowl a big deal in Canada? Uh, yes. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. It yes. is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitively okay. yeah, yeah. state as much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I asked because obviously we were in Australia this year and I had a lot of uh, people in Melbourne tell me that they were, or I guess I should say Melbourne, although I'm not supposed to delve into accents because you guys know that you can be canceled that way. Yes. Um, <laughs> basically what they said is I don't get the NFL. It's boring. Hmm. I got the same sentiment when I was in Western Europe and I, you know, I know they talk about it being broadcast in like 50 whatever countries around the world. And I think that's just the service members. I don't think much of the world actually cares about the NFL. So just trying to take the temperature in Canada. No, I mean, Aussies have their own kind of NFL with the Aussie rules and also rugby league. So maybe that's where you get that pushback. Uh, But in Canada, yeah, very much the NFL is a big deal. Um, Let's talk about these Coyotes. Um, They were surprisingly good to start the season, um, or at least at the very least hung in there? Are they still hanging in there, or are they starting to slip a little bit? It feels like they're starting to slip a little bit. And, you know, you can look at that last game against Calgary where they 
had a 2-0 lead midway through the third period, blew it and lost in OT and say, in the big picture, that's fine. They had won the first game on the road trip. You still have three points out of two games. The problem was it was preceded by a one and four homestand in which they were just utterly blown out in those four losses, which raised a lot of concerns about whether this team is going to be able to hang in it. Uh, they just really, like, it was weird watching that homestand because they came back on a high and they were feeling very good about themselves. And they just literally didn't compete in those games. It's, it's hard to figure out the one win they get is over the Boston Bruins but they did not play well. So you, you can look at the standings now and see that there's a, just a little bit of distance developing. And of course the Edmonton Oilers and up until recently, the Seattle Kraken simply were not losing. So there's a little bit of a gap. It's going to be tough for them and their schedule right into the all-star break is also very difficult. So where is the drop-off come from? <sighs> a, a, a couple of things. Like, first of all, they didn't score on homestand. They, did, they just couldn't score, but this team doesn't defend well. And we've been talking about it all year, um, that, that it's a concern that some of the mistakes they make, some of the reads they make, some of the decisions they make with a buck are mind-boggling. But even more so than that, their system is a man-to-man system where they, they've got defensemen chasing guys high in the zone. You'll see forwards defending the net front at times. It is the system they play. I'm not sure that they have the personnel to do it. So they give up a lot of good chances, and it, it's been biting them consistently lately. So what is the thinking heading into, I mean, it's the trade deadlines a a ways away now, um, but we're talking about it in Vancouver. Um, Are there any players that could be out the door? I mean, I I hate to always ask these questions about Coyotes, like who's leaving this time, but is there anyone that could be out the door? (laughs) Oh, I I think so. Listen, I I just did the mid-season report and I spoke to Bill Armstrong and asked him about that, the general manager, and he said, look, uh, you know, a, a lot of people were wondering at the time, are, are you going to add? And, and they were definitely not going to be in the market for rentals anyway. If they were going to add anything, it was going to be small pieces or something significant that could grow with the team, like a, a player that was going to stick around for the long term that was young enough. But he, he did say, like, I, you look at what's coming. I think everything will sort it out by the time they get to the deadline. Again, the Coyotes could catch fire again, I suppose. Um, they've been streaky lately. But my guess is they're they're going to slip out of this, and there will be some players available. You look at the guys on expiring contracts. I just don't know what the market is for some of these guys. Like Matt Dumba has not played well, mm. and we were we were told that he was you know he was playing really well defensively last season over the second half of the season. He hasn't done that. Maybe he can find it before the deadline. He he brings a a big hitting presence. He obviously can skate. He's very mobile. But he hasn't played that well. Neither is Jason Zucker. He just hasn't made his a mark on this team. Um, but if you look at other guys that are on expiring contracts, there, there's there's not a lot of value. They they did sign Alex Kerfoot and Nick Bukestad to two year contracts this off season. I suppose teams could still be interested in them because both of them have played extremely well. Bill said he you know I'm not inclined to break up this team, but you know if we. Uh, if we see it going in the wrong direction, management has to do what management has to do. Uh, it's funny. If you go to their cap friendly page, they don't have a single defenseman under contract for next yeah. season. They're all pending RFAs yeah, or UFAs. So there's rentals to be had. And I was, I would assume that as we get closer to March 8th, some of those unrestricted defensemen will probably just get picked up just as depth options as rentals. But it's an interesting, yeah, you always need them in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And it's an interesting team to look at because 
my perspective, as I read your midway point thing, and my takeaway, not necessarily from that, but just from their season at the midway point, is there's got to be a sense of contentment that they've played as well as they have, given the pieces that they have. Is that a fair assessment, or am I way off? No, I think you're you're dead on, actually. Uh, when, when they started the season, Bill even said it on media day, I don't think we're quite a playoff team yet, which is a... <laughs> Pretty crazy statement, but that, that that's Bill Armstrong. He's he's pretty blunt. He's pretty transparent. He just wanted them to play in meaningful games this year. You know, of course, the team and the coaches are going to say something different. They always do. He wanted them to be playing meaningful games. Thus far, they have. And they, you know, if you look at their their standings that year over year from the, the start of the rebuild two seasons ago to now, they clearly have improved. They're over 500 right now, and they've stayed in this playoff race. So I think they're pretty happy with the growth. Some of their young players have been infused into the lineup. A lot more will be over the next two seasons. So if you ask them, I think they'll say, you know, we're, we're right on track. If not, maybe a little bit ahead of a schedule with this rebuild right now. Speaking of Craig Morgan from PHNX Sports here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Craig, I noticed on the site you guys had an interview with Connor Garland ahead of tonight's game. Uh, what were some of your takeaways with the Canuck and former Arizona Coyote? Well, you know, obviously we wanted to ask a lot about both his role because it's it's quite different from what he did here. He was a top six guy here that there. He's, he's playing bottom six in an entirely different role. But he, he's adapted to it. You know, he's a veteran, so he's accepted that. And I think he's enjoying – it's it's hard not to enjoy it when you're playing on a team that's having the kind of success the Canucks are having. But mm-hmm. I think the bigger thing we wanted to talk about was both his relationship with Rick Tockett and then – Sort of the perception of Rick Tockett, who he was here. Uh, I think when he left here, a lot of people thought, well, he just he wore out his welcome with a lot of players. And I, and I think that's accurate, to be honest. I, I do think that there was a lot of, uh, I don't want to say bad blood, but I, I think they were just tired of Rick Tockett's voice. He, he's a hard-driving guy. He has high expectations. And he, he's pretty relentless on that. And I think if you ask some of the players, they'll tell you sometimes he used negative reinforcement. I don't know how much he's changed. It's hard to know because I'm not around that. But I wonder, you know, with that year off spent in the broadcast booth, if he looked at some things that he was doing and changed. I don't, I don't even know if you can measure it yet because they've had such success. Maybe they haven't had a taste of what it's like to play for Rick Tockett when they're not winning. But the, the, the bigger thing that, you know, we talked about, and this is something that always bugged me. Like Rick Tockett took a lot of heat for not having success in Tampa and Arizona. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the players. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yeah. You look at the high-end skill that Vancouver has right now. It's funny how Rick Tockett is suddenly a great coach because he has good players to coach. He simply didn't have that in his first two stops. I think he's a much better X's and O's guy than anybody knows. And it, it, it's good to see him have this opportunity. There were some of us wondering if, if it was the right opportunity, but clearly he saw something there that he could get going, and they are having – one hell of a season so far. Uh, that's really interesting about Tockett's time in Arizona. What you, negative reinforcement. What exactly do you mean by that? Is that you're talking like healthy scratches and ice time? Yeah, I mean, there's there's some of that, but it's just you know, I, I think pointing out flaws a lot of the time, okay. um, and and expectations of players maybe that you know he came from Pittsburgh as an assistant. You're not coaching Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin anymore, and you can't expect some of these guys to be that. So I, I think he has high expectations. And I don't even want to say that's a bad thing. It's just it, that's how he was as a player too, right? He's just all in all the time, um, and and maybe maybe the message wasn't well received some of the time from the players. 
What was the relationship like between Garland and Tockett in Arizona? Because those were, I mean, he had some pretty good years. His career high 22 goals in his second year in the NHL under Tockett. Yeah, I think if you talk to Connor, you'll tell, he'll tell you it was always amazing. He was one of the guys that I consistently talked to while he was here mm-hmm. who loved playing for Tock. He really enjoyed it. So I, you know, contrast it with OEL, right, who, who is obviously gone now. Um, Connor Garland always got along really well with Rick Tock, and I think that's the case there, too. Um, they've had a really good relationship. Connor Garland is, is the kind of player that Rick Tockett is, lo- is going to love because he does give it all all the time. He and he's he's a fiery guy too. He's a competitor, so their personalities mesh really well. Um, are young guys on the Coyotes like Clayton Keller and Lawson Krause? Are are they still committed to being Coyotes? Because you know these are the prime years of their careers, and I guess we can ask you about the future of the Coyotes in the desert, where the arena status is. But I'm I'm just curious on a day to day basis how those guys feel about their spots in the NHL. Yeah, it's an interesting question because both both of them obviously committed, uh, thinking that the Tempe vote was going to go in the Coyotes' favor, and then it did not. Um, you know, I haven't, I, I can't say I've taken the temperature on that recently because we're, we're waiting for this announcement, which was supposed to come by the end of the calendar year, or right after the new year. And now has not, we all know the deadline by the end of the season, they need to have something announced. Gary Bettman has said that himself. So it's hard to know where, what, what they're thinking right now. I, I think we'll, we'll get a really good sense of it in a couple of months, depending on what comes out of this announcement. Um, Clayton Keller, you know, there was, there was talk for a while that, you know, he might want out of here. He, he quashed that, I think, but he and his agent, I think are watching this very carefully. I think Lawson Krause is a little bit different animal. Um, He really likes it here. His wife loves it here. They're to be honest, like it, I don't, I don't want to overstate this, but sometimes I look at that couple and, and look at Lawson Krause's place in the Valley and think, is he the next Shane Doan? Because he's that kind of character guy. He's the caretaker of the team. Obviously playing really well and scoring now. Um, there's a lot about him that screams leadership and screams team icon. I think Lawson really enjoys being in the Valley. Um, but yeah, the, listen, the arena is always hanging. It's been there for the last 15 years, so... I'm sure it's in the back of their mind somewhere. Uh, we can't have a Craig Morgan hit without at least one update on the arena status. So there's this a potential security. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There's the side. The potential securing <laughs> of the property near Phoenix. As I understand it, it's got to go to like land auction first before they can get it. So where where is the latest? What's going on? What's the update with regards to all this? Well, the the piece of land that has been reported on actually for I, I know there was a Derek Drager report out and I, I'm sure that was news to a lot of national folks but all that stuff had already come out locally um, it's, it's a parcel of land in northeast Phoenix basically uh, adjacent to Scottsdale it's it's a little bit of an odd location because it's not central it's not core of the city it definitely is not as good a location as Tempe was or even the Mesa sites they were looking at but it, it's not Glendale on the other hand. I'll say that it's much better than Glendale. It's close to a lot of the wealth base and the corporate base. Um, yeah, there's, there, there have been reports that they're looking at state trust land. And I, I think that's partially accurate. I don't think that's the entire picture because what happens with state trust land is it has to go to auction. So do you win the bid? <laughs> it's, it seems a little risky and, uh, you know, I don't know of any way around that. I don't think the counties have found any way around that either. So, that's a possibility, but I, I, I don't think that's the entire picture. I know the reports have been out there that, that they've zeroed in on that, and that's the only possibility. I'm not sure that's the entire picture. 
Craig, you're the best, man. Thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, we'll touch base closer to the trade deadline. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. That's Craig Morgan from PHNX Sports here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. I mentioned the trade deadline, Jason. Uh, you see another big name got taken off the board yesterday. Uh, Kyle Dubas said that there's been no trade talk Oh, he's ongoing. not off the board. No, 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 no. You're misreading well, this. You're oh, misreading I, now, this. Now, today, I'm misreading it. Yesterday, when oh Julian Breezeblast says he's not trading Steve Stamkos, and I push back. Dubas didn't I say he's not fool. trading him. Dubas didn't say he's not training. He said, we haven't had any discussions with teams about Jake. Anything out there is pure speculation. But then he said, we'll continue to go through the season here, and I'll continue to evaluate where we're at, and either after the All-Star break or after the season, we'll do what's best for everybody, best for the Penguins, best for Jake, and we'll determine that together. The All-Star break is the one you look at. Where are the Penguins going to be? After the All-Star break, they've got four games before the All-Star break. They're playing pretty well right now. They're coming off a 3-0 win over Seattle. They've got to go to Vegas, go to Arizona. Then they return home to host Florida and Montreal. And that's when the Gensel discussion starts. It's completely different from the Stamco situation, and I can't believe you're even comparing the two. When asked about not trading Jake Gensel... Kyle Dubas said, quote, we haven't had any conversations with any other teams about Jake Gensel. Yeah, I read that. So anything out there is pure speculation. I read that part. That's really as simple as that. Okay. So now we've got, now Gens- we've got- Gensel is still uh, a possibility to be traded, whereas Stamkos is not. They are completely different situations. Mm, I feel like both are either available or both are not. God, you're an idiot. Like, are you being intentionally... This is. I feel like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan here, right? Like, you're just being obtuse. Like, yeah, you're, you're, I actually you're just like, wanted to bring you're up You're like the, the warden in Shawshank. How I, can you be so obtuse? Obtuse. Um, you could also call me glib if you wanted. That works as well. Um... I don't uh, – no, I just wanted to bring up the Jake Gensel thing because it was uh, – Dubas does a weekly radio hit in Pittsburgh, and he was asked specifically about where where he's at with you Gensel. lied to the listeners when you said he was taken off the board. He's not. He's off the board. They're not trading him. Any trade talk is pure speculation. I did not realize that Ben Hankinson, the agent, who's also the agent for Brock Besser, if you want to do your Ben Hankinson impression, you can do it. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> um, it's like he's here in the room with us. <laughs> Go pack. <laughs> Go pack goal. So just as a backstory, we had Ben Hankinson on the show back when we were on 1040. And it was the most Minnesota interview of all time because he was talking about being at the Packers. He was going to the Packers game. In Wisconsin. So it was, that's been a bit ever since. Anyway, Hankinson went on uh, Sirius XM NHL radio uh, earlier in the month and was talking about the contract situation with Jake Gensel and how he remains unsigned. And he said that he could see a situation where things get quote-unquote ugly. So that was another reason that Dubas was asked about it yesterday. Because he said, well, look, I think Ben's comments were more about the long term, not Mm -hmm. about the remainder of this season, and whether or not we're going to be able to re-sign Jake. Let's say we let him play out the string, and he goes to unrestricted free agency. I don't think they're going to be able to keep him. I don't don't think think they're going to be able to keep him, but I also don't think they're going to trade him. If that makes sense. But I think that would be... It does be, not make yeah. sense. It does make sense. They'll just have to let it go. Do you think the Penguins... Let it go. Do you, how, what do you, th- like do you think the Penguins could win the Cup? I don't know. <laughs> sure. Well, well, then you don't trade Gensel. Yeah. You don't trade him for futures. I know. 
They I, well, look, why why do the Penguins? I know Dubis is always like Dubis is always like uh, you know I've got to keep my eye on the long term. I'm like, well, why did you bring in Eric Carlson then? You know, like why did you resign Gino and yeah? And, based and on all the moves Latang, they made thus like, far, trading Gensel would not make sense. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be very weird. If the rumor, it'd, be, it'd just be totally, it'd be totally weird, especially if the Penguins are like feeling good about their game now. Unless it's a hockey trade, right? Maybe he's looking to make a trade where um, you target, I don't know, a team that can afford to keep Gensel, and that team signs Gensel long term, and the Penguins at least get like some NHL players back, as opposed to. You know, just a pure futures trade, which would take Gensel completely off this team. And the message that would send to the Penguins room would just be like, okay, well, this season, I guess you don't believe in us. You don't believe in us. Fine. I mean, this guy is really one of the more tricky um, acquisitions because he's, let's say you acquire him as a rental. That's one thing, right? You you get him for the playoff run. You're like, you know what? This is just about the the here and the now, the future. We're not going to entertain it. There's going to be teams that are going to say, well, we want to try and talk extension with them mm-hmm. prior to acquiring them. And then you go down the road of how much are you willing to pay out for Jake Gensel? Because while he's a good player, great player, he's going to be 30 next year. I mean, and then you're t- if you're going to talk about giving him money in term, we go back to the age old conversation about paying on the wrong side of the aging curve. So, there, you know, I look at it and like if you're a certain team like Vancouver, hypothetically, you almost have to look at him as a rental because I'm not sure you have a lot of money to spend for Jay Gensel. That's a luxury that maybe you don't necessarily have because you've got to allocate money elsewhere, right? I guess the question I have is how much does Dubas, like maybe he's been told don't let this go to hell after a couple of years because most people just assumed, right? Like the Penguins are going to be in it for a couple of years. Uh, they re-signed Latang and Malkin. They brought on Carlson. So for those years, they're trying to win the cup. They'll do their best. And then after that, which is when Hankinson's comments come in, things are going to get ugly. And my assumption was always like the Penguins will just accept that. Yeah, I just you don't know, know, I, I you just know, don't know for, if this is the year. For, right? No, no, no. But like, do you know what I mean? Like ex- ex- accept it that it's going to happen. And then – Take advantage of it. This is an organization that has done incredibly well from getting very bad. They got Mario Lemieux from being really bad. They got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin from being really bad. Yermer Jagger, like those are the types of franchise players. (laughs) They've each saved hockey in Pittsburgh by being bad. And I always thought like the Penguins would just accept that. Like that's the way it's going to be. But maybe... Because the Penguins now have a new owner in Fenway Sports, maybe they've told Dubas, like, that's not acceptable. Like, we don't just accept that that's going to happen. So Dubas is going to be like, okay, well, if we've got this expiring asset and we're not going to be able to keep them, maybe we do have to trade them. But to me, that would just send a very, very, very negative message to the Penguins' room. And especially a guy like Sidney Crosby, who you've kept these guys for. Mm-hmm. And you went out and got Eric Carlson. And then you're going to trade Jake Gensel? 
Uh, coming up on the Halford and Breath Show on Sportsnet 650, we're going to do a look in at Abbotsford with the Abbotsford Connects. We haven't done that in a good long while. Uh, Brandon Astle is the Abbotsford Connects play-by-play guy. He's going to join us to talk. you got questions about Vasily Podkolzin. we got questions about Archdeep Baines. We can ask about everyone. If you want to know about any of the guys down on the farm, text your questions in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Brandon Astle joins us next. But before we go to break, I need to tell you about Jan Pro, the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial. If if your workplace demands a clean environment, contact JanPro for a free, no obligation quote. Visit them online at janpro.ca. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To center, now it's a two-on-one, Sasson with Nielsen. Sasson in on goal, shoots, scores! Cash, Bunny, Max, 2-1! on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Brandon Astle, the play-by-play voice. You just heard him. The Abbotsford Canucks is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour two of this show is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full flavor without compromise. Find it at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery, the brewery, to see how it's made. To the phone lines we go, uh, Brandon Astle, the play-by-play voice of the Abbotsford Connects, joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Brandon. How are you? I'm doing well, boys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, was wondering if, if this hit goes well, does that mean that Laddie and A-Dog will create me an intro next time I come on? Ooh. You should have seen the look they just exchanged with one another. There was, there was intrigue. <laughs> There's yeah. excitement. There's you can't little, force okay. it. You can, it's got to be natural. Mm. You can't, okay, yeah. I just wanted to throw it out there. I won't bring it up again. <laughs> okay. Uh, what could we do with a name like Astel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brandon, not don't do this yeah, to me, man. Not that <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon, let's start with a quick recap of uh, how the Abbotsford Canucks season has gone uh, maybe in the last 10 games or so. Yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit inconsistent, and uh, head coach Jeremy Carlton has, has admitted that. But with that said... They have suffered a ton of injuries this year. I know Vancouver has been lucky in that department. I'll knock on wood right now. But Abbotsford has more than made up for it. Um, over 15 have gotten hurt at some point this year. And only one player has played in every single game this season, and that's uh, Atu Ratu. So there's been a lot of moving parts uh, in and out of the lineup, a lot of call-ups from the ECHL affiliate in Kalamazoo. They've had a defenseman playing forward these last number of weeks. So... Things have been tough in that regard. It seems like the lineup's been changing uh, every single game, and Coach Carlton's even done uh, uh, 11 forwards and 7D uh, two of the last three games, which is something that he's not really known for. So um, just uh, kind of tough getting some chemistry both on, on forward and in defense, but at the same time, it's an opportunity for, for younger players to, to get more minutes. We're seeing uh, some guys penalty kill that we aren't used to, like Tristan Nielsen was penalty killing last night. Atu Ratu's taken a bigger role. Uh, Arshdeep Baines, he's always been a good penalty killer, but he's now out there every second shift. So it's good for development with regards to those guys. And at the end of the day, they just picked up their 20th win yesterday. They're on pace for another 40-win season. And just to see the guys that have been out 
Like Dries hasn't played in a handful of games. Hirose hasn't played since the start of December. And uh, Willannon didn't finish a game yesterday, so hopefully we get positive news on him. But uh, the guys that have uh, stepped up, playing in different scenarios that maybe they're not be used to, uh, have done really well, so it's been good to see. Let's talk about our Steve Baines. We have a lot of questions in the Dunbar Lumber text line about Baines, and people want an update on this guy. He's headed to the AHL All-Star game, uh, still just 22 years old. You mentioned he's killing penalties. Well, he's also putting up points. He's got 34 points in 33 games. My question for you is, if Baines were to get the call-up to the NHL, what kind of role could he fill for the Canucks? Because I don't know if you've heard, but they've got this line called the Lotto line. So I don't know if Baines is going to be a top six forward for the Canucks. What kind of role could he fill for the Canucks? Well, here's the thing about Arshdeep that separates him from most. So last year he comes in as uh, just leading the league in WHL scoring with Red Deer. So he's an offensive guy, and the puck wasn't really going in at the start of the year. In fact, he was a healthy scratch in and out of the lineup, and obviously confidence wasn't that high. So what he did was focus on other parts of his game to become an asset for, for Jeremy Carlton and, and gain more trust in that regard. So he really worked in, in practice and with the staff and in video to make himself become a, a more complete player, uh, doing, more, doing more on his own end, getting a, a, an extended role in the penalty kill because he wasn't getting on the power play. He really didn't get on the power play until probably about this time last year. Right? And that's when the, the points started to fall. So he really took it upon himself to, to, uh, to grow his game in different areas. And that's what's going to help him getting to the next level. He doesn't have to jump into a scoring role. He could be a third-line grinding winner, winger, fourth-line getter on a penalty kill. We've seen what Phil DiGiuseppe has done since coming up. He can fill that kind of role. Like He doesn't just have to score. He can become an asset for Rick Tockett in other areas. And I think Rick's really going to like him when he, when, not if he gets a call up to, to Vancouver, because you know, he's going to bring effort every single night. It's one thing to have a skill, but he also has the effort, which separates him from the pack. And at the end of the day, he's just an, he's a, he's a pure playmaker. He makes everybody around him better. And that's uh he's, he's only a winger too. Right. And he's a guy that drives the line and just to see the growth in his game from last year to where he's at now in AHL all-star, and, I mean, he just picked up his 25th assist yesterday. He had 25 all of last year, so he did it in half the games. And Coach Carlton plays him a lot. And he's, he, Coach Carlton talks about building a good, a good base. So when you get up to the NHL, you have something to fall back on if things aren't going your way. And to see how far Steve has come, he's really built a strong base and I think can, can plug and play in any situation up there. Of the young guys, uh, so the guys in the early 20s, who else has stood out for you? Who else has, have you watched this season and gone, wow, that guy's really taken a step? You know what? I'm glad you asked. Uh, a lot of guys that's not getting a, a guy that's not getting a lot of headlines is Max Sasson. Um, he scored the game winner last night. He's now second on the team in goals. And what's been impressive about Max, he got signed out of college late last year. And usually when you come to the AHL, you got to earn your stripes. You're probably not in the lineup right away. You got to practice a bunch. You got to kind of build confidence and the trust of the coaching staff. But Max signed with the Canucks and was put into the top six right away and really hasn't left. He hasn't really hit a rookie wall. And that's a testament to how hard he's worked at his game. Uh, He's a great skater. That's what jumps off the page right away. He's a playmaker. He can obviously score goals as well. Um, he's getting some power play time and he's out there taking big face-offs. Like last night, he was out in the last minute taking a face-off, um, trying to, uh, to win the game. The, um, the other team, uh, Ontario had the goaltender pulled and 
with the, all these injuries, Max has been thrusted into a larger role, which is which is great for his development, right? And he's he's a great kid. He's willing to learn. Um, at the end of his career, he already knows he wants to be a sports broadcaster. So look out, boys! But he said, <laughs> hopefully not for another twenty years. Yeah. Um, and I think Canucks fans are, are really going to start to to notice Max here in the last half of the season because he's just been a been a treat to watch and a staple. And I know Coach Carlton just loves him. He's loved the growth in his game. And he's really starting to gain the trust and playing in, in bigger situations and getting a lot of minutes. So who are the centers for the Abbotsford Canucks? How does it normally roll out? <laughs> how, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> do they have a, yeah, I mean, they've had so many injuries that I'm sure it's bounced around. But let's say they were full, fully healthy. How, how, would, how would it roll out? Uh, well, Drys would be one. Uh, Max Sasson would be one. Um, John Stevens, he can play center. He can play wing. And then there's Atu Ratu, who's the, who's the wild card. I don't even think he knows what he is yet. <laughs> and I've been thinking about it. I think it, that can be kind of like an, an, an asset for him because it just shows his versatility. And Coach Carlton is not afraid to put him uh, in, in different situations up and down the lineup. Like he's played uh, first-line wing, third-line center. He's getting out there on a penalty kill. He's taking face-offs. He's just so smart. Uh, he's got some skill, obviously other areas uh, to work on. So... Uh, any given night, he could be wing or center. It, it's, it's tough to call, just depending what uh, what's kind of working for Coach Carlton. Um, we had Niels Amon down here that was center. Now he's up with a big club, so that's opened up another spot. Um, you see different guys taking faceoffs. It seems like every time the whistle sounds. So uh, Chase Waters, a captain, uh, he's usually a staple at center and, and taking a lot of draws as well. So they're they're pretty strong up the middle, but at the same time, they have some versatile versatile players like Ratu that you can just plug and play. Um, has Ratu's skating noticeably improved? Because, you know, listen, I'm not a prospects expert, but every prospects expert I, I talked to said his skating is needs to improve. Yeah, that was one area that he wanted to work on in the offseason. I can definitely uh, tell there's been a little bit more of explosiveness on the first couple steps. And obviously you need that uh, in every level, not just the AHL, but especially when you get up to the NHL. But where Ratu... Um, kind of separates himself is that he thinks the game very well and puts himself in spots where he doesn't have to be relied upon to use that speed. So obviously it's, it's still a work in progress and it just doesn't come overnight, but we've seen other players uh, work on their skating in Abbotsford, like Arshkeet Baines wasn't known for his skating and he's really taken a big step in that regard. They got great staff uh, down in Abbotsford working with these players on and off the ice and Ratu's still young. He's only 21, right? So um, that's definitely the, the biggest area that, that needs to improve, but at the same time, other areas in his game, I kind of feel make up for that lack of speed and explosiveness, but he definitely is getting there, and I've seen some improvement, which is great. Uh, we're talking Abbotsford Canucks with Brandon Astle, the Abbotsford Canucks play-by-play guy. Uh, Brandon, so I was thinking yesterday about all the Canucks unrestricted free whether or not they're going to be able to keep them all, and the short answer is they're not going to be able to keep them all and a guy like Dakota Joshua might price himself out. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if Vasily Podkolzin could fill that role that jo- that Dakota Joshua um, has had this season? Where is Podkolzin's game right now? Because his training camp um, did not last long. The preseason did not last long, and he did not look very good. How's he been down there in Abbotsford? You know what? He's been really good and still... Uh still growing. He's playing a lot, which is the big goal of having him here in Abbotsford. Coach Carlton leans on him a lot offensively. He usually plays on the top line. Uh, he's on the point on the power play. He's got an unreal one-timer that they try to get to him uh, a lot. And um, he's, he's definitely working on other parts of his game. And you know what? His defensive play has definitely improved. And 
He's starting to figure out, like, on a more consistent basis, how to win those those board battles, uh, making tight or uh, making plays in tight spaces, and starting to kind of use his frame as leverage because when he takes that puck to the net, he is hard to handle. And remember, guys, he suffered a pretty bad hand injury in late October that knocked him out of the lineup for about three weeks. And before that, he was one of the best goal scorers in the AHL. He had five goals over his first five games. He was flying. So it can kind of take a little bit to find your game again after mm-hmm. going through a traumatic injury like that. And I know a lot of people look at the stats and like, why isn't Vasily tearing it up? He's only got 10 goals, 10 assists in 28 games. That's actually pretty good because, boys, the reality is it's hard to put a point in the AHL. It's harder compared to the NHL where it's a little more structured and there's more skill up there. And the reality is Abbotsford has it harder than most teams in the league because are you ready for this little nugget, boys? Get a load of this. They play 72 games in a season, right? Yeah. Well, 64 of those are against teams in their own division. <laughs> so they're playing the same opponent a lot. That would be like Vancouver playing Vegas, uh, Edmonton, L.A., Seattle, over and over again. And that can be a grind. That's tough. Yeah. And every road trip as well involves a plane ride. The closest opponent is Calgary, who's one of the best teams in the league. And guess what? Abbotsford plays them 12 times a year, which is great for development for the younger guys taking on a great team like that. But there's other squads, say, in like California and on the East Coast that have like the luxury of taking a bus to a road game, right? So Abbotsford out on the road longer can be a bit tiring. And then you come home and they host a team for two games, usually back-to-back at Abbotsford Center. So it's kind of like a best of three every time a team comes into the Fraser Valley. There's just not a lot of ice out there. Uh, usually in that second game of the back-to-back, and it'd be tough to generate opportunities. So those are just some of the struggles that these young players are going through, but they're working their way through it, and they're still doing well offensively. They're the highest-scoring team in the Pacific Division, uh, but with Vasily, he's still young and learning, right? So I think his time down here will, will turn out to be good for him in the long run. Uh, we talked a lot about forwards um, so far. How has the defense looked uh, with the... With a focus more on on the young players like a like a Jet Wu or a Cole McWard, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they they have, they've they've done well. Jet Wu obviously coming off a career year last year. Um, he's been in and out of the lineup these last few games. Um, he's been solid, um, and I've really been impressed with with Cole McWard. We saw what he can do at the NHL level after coming out of college, and I think he's definitely a guy to watch, especially looking at the the Vancouver decor for next year. You talked about those contracts. Maybe Cole's a guy that can slide in there. And he's obviously still learning the pro game coming out of college. And he's just impressive in a lot of areas. Um, I don't know if there's one great thing he does well, but he does everything very well. He's a good skater. He makes good plays in his own end. He plays with some grit. Um, he's got a, a hard shot that kind of flies under the radar. And I know that in practice he works hard. He's willing to learn. He's a great kid. So Cole McWard is circled uh, on my list and. Akito uh, Hirose, I really liked him as well before he got hurt. Um, he went down December 2nd and hasn't come back yet. I heard he's progressing, and hopefully we'll get him back in the lineup soon. And again, one of those guys, you're like, Akito Hirose doesn't have a single point this year. You wouldn't know it if you watched him every game. This kid just doesn't panic. And you guys know that. You watched him last year. There was talk of him making Vancouver this year, right? But uh, they wanted to send him down to Abbotsford to learn uh, under Jeremy Colleton and find his way around the pro game. And get a little bigger, get a little stronger. I just, uh, I'm, I'm so amazed with the, the poise that he has with his, with the puck and he's only going to get better when he gets back in the lineup. So those two guys that they signed last year, I think they've lived up to the hype and I know the numbers aren't there, but for these young defensemen, that's not what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It's about making mistakes, learning. And then when you get back, get back up to Vancouver, I think you may see them stay there for a little while. Uh, finally, uh, speaking of unrestricted free agents, the Canucks may not be able to afford a guy like Casey DeSmith. Um, how does, 
Archer Silov's look this season? Um, Archer's has been solid, um, a little bit inconsistent these last uh, few games. Um, but overall, he's, he's one of the better young goaltenders uh, in the American Hockey League, uh, coming off a, a great season. And uh, to be honest, as you guys know as well, he's now the undisputed starting goaltender. And that can be a bit of an adjustment because last year he split the net with Spencer Martin, even in the playoffs. And now with Martin gone, um, they said it's your net, Archer's, and now he's still got a, a lot to learn. And he's, he's got a great secret weapon in Marco Terranius, a uh, Finnish um, goaltending coach of the Abbotsford Canucks. This guy's awesome. He's worked with some of the best in the NHL, um, and now he's down here in Abbotsford, and I know that uh, he's got a, a lot of great things to say about Archer's and his work ethic. He's big. He's athletic. I just think his future is so bright, and once he just gets back to, uh, to playing the way that he has uh, earlier this year and last year, um, I think he's really going to go on a nice run here. Um, and just as an add-on, his backup, Nikita Tolopilo boys, look out. This guy is something. He is massive at six foot six. He's athletic. <laughs> he's got great rebound control. Um, he's won seven out of his last nine starts. And when you look at him in the net, there is not a lot of room for these shooters to beat him. And I just think that this was such a great find for uh, Canucks management. And I think when this guy, if he gets a chance to the NHL, he's going to really turn some heads. But for now, he's still got some uh, learning and growing to do with, with Marco and the staff down in Abbotsford. And they'll just let him cook for a bit down here. But, uh, man, he just jumps off the page how good he is and how big he is. And just the way he moves is pretty impressive. Brandon, we absolutely need to do this again and with more frequency, I think, because this was a great hit. Uh, listeners are texting in. They love it. We thought your insight was terrific. We've already got the dogs working on a jingle. So let's do something after Arshdeep Baines represents his team uh, at the All-Star Game in San Jose in February. I love it. Thanks for texting in, Mom. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, let's do this again soon. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Brandon. Brandon, uh, Brandon Astle, the play-by-play voice of the Abbotsford Canucks here on the Halford and Brush on Sportsnet 650. Someone just wrote in. Bruff really did his homework on the names we want to hear. Nice interview, Jason. Yeah, I didn't do yeah. anything. Yeah, I went just to, said goodbye. I went to Hockey DB and I pulled up the roster. And I was like, what about that guy? That's well, what the- about that guy? Oh, and also that guy. That's Please tell me about this guy. That's good interviewing. That's no, good interviewing. But listen, in all seriousness, we, we spoke yesterday about... Um, next season, I know we're all excited about this season, but you know it's important for the Canucks to not just be a one and done team. As far as like we were good this year and then we fell off, and then we ran into the same problems that we had before, which in a lot of cases was a lack of depth and all these pending unrestricted free agents that the Canucks have. A lot of them, almost all of them, I guess, have, have played pretty well. Like. Uh, Sam Lafferty, mm-hmm. um, Teddy Bluger, yep. um, Dakota Joshua, and I know the guys were on the station were speculating uh, yesterday about who the Canucks might re-sign, and with all the love that Teddy Bluger has got, maybe they target him to re-sign, but that means that maybe they can't afford a guy like Dakota Joshua or Sam Lafferty, yeah. and... Alvin in his interview with Ian McIntyre said, I anticipate there's going to be some changes starting next year, as there is for every NHL team. The cap is going to go up, but it's not going to go up so much that everyone's affordable. And then player salaries go up when the cap goes up. And he said, "Um, I anticipate some of those changes would be internally with some of the younger players coming in and taking a step. And then IMAC asked him, all right, who are some of those young guys you're thinking about? Mm -hmm. And these are the guys that Alvin name-checked down in Abbotsford. Pod Colson, Baines, Ratu, Linus Carlson, Cole McWard, Arthur Seelovs, and he did name Max Sasson, 
who Brandon said, like, I'm glad you asked me about guys that have um, kind of stuck out in, in a good way. And, you know, what I like to hear about Max Sasson is like, he's out there killing penalties. He's got speed. He can win faceoffs. Maybe he's a 4C candidate yeah. for next season. You got to start right? thinking in those terms, right? Because you have to realize like, you, the bottom six in this particular group, just based on economics, it doesn't sound like you, you can't get, you can't fall in love and get married and get attached to all of these guys. It's just Dakota Joshua has rightly earned a raise. Is that fair to say at this point? Yeah. Pro- I, I think someone's going to go out and say, like, we need to add some size, some toughness, and. He can score goals and he can kill penalties. He might get like a three-year, I don't know, nine million dollar deal. Three, three, three doesn't that make kind of make sense for three, him? A little three times three, yeah. Like I, I don't see some why team not. out there that doesn't have the cap issues that yep. the Canucks have. I think other teams will look at Teddy Bluger and say, "Hey, there could be some real value there. Maybe we can pay him more than Vancouver could pay to retain him." Well, if I'm Bluger, I'm. The Canucks. Exactly. You know, he's only 29 years old. I'd want at least two years. And he's bounced around a lot, right? He probably wants a little bit of like security. But, but I think the Canucks really respect him. I think I think he's been he's been way better than I thought he would be. He's been really, really good yeah. offensively, too. I some of the plays and the, some of the passes that he's made mm-hmm. are really good. And a lot of that I think is just he's got great chemistry with Connor Garland and and Dakota Joshua. Um, but you're right, you can't you can't fall in love with these guys to the point that you're willing to give the Jay Beagle contract out yeah, to them yeah, or yeah. whatever. You know, not that the Canucks, I mean, the Canucks went out and got him from Washington, but you can't overpay too much for these depth guys. One of the reasons that they have been such good additions is that they weren't paid all that much. They are in on contracts that still first of all, motivate them to get more. Mm-hmm. And so it's either going to be on the young players or it's going to be on the Canucks Pro Scouts to go out and find more of these guys. Um, hopefully there are some younger players that can fill in next season. I do have hopes for Archdeep Baines and 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 Max Sasson, and I hope Pod Colson can figure it out. But I don't know. From what I saw earlier this season... In training camp, and I know there are all the excuses out there. He's got he's got a young family, and he was adjusting to that, and that can be tough. And I know he had the serious injury, serious head injury this season. Um, but I don't know. I just I've watched him play for a few years now, and I don't know if he's got the jam to be in uh, uh, in the NHL, especially in a type of system that Rick Taka wants to play. I know we're up against it for time, but I just wanted to circle back on the Gensel thing. the The reason I brought up and the direction I was trying to go before he starts shouting at me. Bert, you're shouting again, Bert. Because you're lying to the listeners. I wanted to bring it up in the context of what the general manager essentially says publicly and then what's actually going on. So the only one, the only thing I really want to bring up with Gensel is that Dollywell had it out there that there's obviously been some exploratory talk because he's got an idea of what the ask would be. And Rob Rossi had it out there as well. So, I mean, Dollywell went straight forward. He just said it's going to be Lecker Amaki or uh, Tom Willander that's going to be the ask. Yeah, which we would not do that. So Rossi had it in the athletic that one they're looking at roster player uh prospect and pick for Gensel and then he started talking about the contract figure and he said he could see uh Gensel's ask being in like the nine million dollar sure. range which is I mean again I lo- good player. love the player 
But like nine million annually for Jake Gensel mm-hmm. in this economy, like there's not a lot of teams that can afford that. Do you think right? you're going to be able to get a a roster player, a top prospect, and a first for Gensel as a rental? I mean, that's going to be the, apparently that's the starting point for the ask because mm-hmm. we're in January. Yeah, you know, you start big, sure, yeah, aim yeah. high, Willis. Like that's you know, you're in. A, you, Do you remember you when we big. threw out the poll question? Would you, <laughs> would you trade Kuzmenko and Hoaglander for Gensel? And like eighty percent of people in Vancouver were like, no. That's and what I'm, I'm saying. Like, that wouldn't even be close to what's acceptable <laughs> for for the Penguins. We had a conservative starting point, <laughs> and we were getting shot down big time. Like it could get way worse. Anyway, uh, I'm glad we were able to get uh, that part of it in there because yeah, the the, the ask is out there for Jay Gensel. I guess we'll see what happens. Okay, uh, coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, 8 o'clock hour, Drancer, and we're giving away a prize pack to the big football party at the Clayton Public House. If you don't win, you can still reserve your spot for the big football party uh, at the Clayton Public House. It's hosted by Sportsnet 650. That's us. If you visit theclaytonpub.com, that's them. Uh, you can get a reservation for Sunday, February 11th. The Clayton Public House. Good food, good people, good times. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.